Welcome back to ASD, A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we encourage you that growth for your child is possible. This week, as I visited with Dr. Gutstein, he talked about self-communication and the use of gestures with our children, a fascinating discussion. So what we see is that we de- when we develop gesture, we develop facial changes, prosody in a communicative sense, it has a very strong impact on your own re-experiencing, but also it makes you a person who is other people want to be with and other people want to communicate with. Whereas if you practice sort of intentionally communicating, like gesturing in some kind of scripted way or some kind of intentional, it really clogs up your system. I mean, it makes you, it makes it, it makes you very stiff, artificial, overwhelmed. There's too much you have to think about consciously. And so to me, it, it, it's, you know, in autism, they don't make that distinction. They keep teaching communicating. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. In other words, when you talk to somebody, you're not intentionally, you know, you know, it's not, I'm using gesture. You're not intentionally. I mean, I may be intentionally doing it now, but, but most of the time you're not doing it unless you're, you know, use car salesman or a politician or a psychopath, you know, <laughs> you're not aware. You, you know, it doesn't develop out of your desire to communicate to them. It doesn't develop out of this system where you're pointing or pushing away. It develops out of the sense of trying to make sense to yourself. And you notice when you're struggling with a thought, you'll, you'll often gesture more. Oh yeah. I do that a lot. Right. Yeah. And, we, we assume it's because we're communicating, but it's not. So when you're communicative, what's interesting is if you watch somebody who's very communicative, even though they're not intentionally doing it, they're someone that somebody, everybody wants to be with. Why? Because you get the sense of being with them that they want, they're willing to share who they are with you. They're revealing themselves to you. They're open with you. They're honest with you. They're there. They're, they're sharing experience with you. Which is a very different thing. You feel like, like somebody's communicating, like, what are they trying to do? What's their agenda? You know? Right. Yes. But, and so in RDI, what's interesting is we want to emphasize the importance of, of developing our children or people as communicative, as that sense of, um, gesture, face, as part of your own personal experience, not as something you think about to, influence another person. Yes, you can learn to do that later. But that when we but unfortunately in autism that's what they do. Everything is social skills, right? Yes. And you see, and so you know, I, I think that that's an interesting topic. Don't you think the difference between being communicative and communicating. Oh it's huge. Yeah. yeah. You see the distinction? Absolutely. And you find that our kids who are the most who do the best, who are the most involved in the interpersonal world who are most endearing are the ones who haven't necessarily practiced communicating. They, they, they become communicative. Yeah. All right. They, when you watch them and, and what's interesting, so watch them make their own videos for themselves and you really get to see without that performance to others, without having to worry about monitoring what they're thinking, what they're saying, well, that all that first, that's later more intense. You can see the, um, the synchrony, you can see the gesture, you can see the facial, you can see the prosody, all occurring, even though I'm not communicating to another person. 
So you see a narrative, right, that's being done um, by someone who we've worked with in that way. And, you know, it's a different mode. It's a different style. It's a different way of thinking about that, using your body, right? It's, It's being aware of your own body. And not being aware, it, initially it is, but it's being able to be embodied, right? Which then also triggers parts of the brain that have to do with emotion, that have to do with significance. When you're, when you're sort of not, when you're sort of like this, and like this, and a robotic like this, um, your brain is, is basically communicating, even with your words, that there's nothing significant happening. That's not how you communicate to yourself, how you message yourself that there's something significant to remember or retain or something to feel. We do that with our bodies. We do that through interoception, becoming aware of our body, whether it's our tension, whether that's the movement, whether that's our body, whether that's our posture, whatever. And, um, and it's the way we signal ourselves. It's the way we communicate with ourselves, right? Again, um, without consciousness, without being aware of it. So one of the things we're considering is practicing, having some practice not, you know, it's great to practice having just, you know, let me put it another way. You know how early on we have people practice a lot of nonverbal conversations. Parents don't understand that um, a lot of times, but it's, it's really critical. Um, that's one track. I mean, let me say it a different way. There's two tracks. There's a, there's a, a communicating track, which I think is important. Yes. And there's a communicative track, which we often overlook. Yes. So while it's important to be able to practice, you know, sort of having fun with those and making those a part of um, of what communicating is about. Um, I think, by the way, when we do that and we do it playfully, we're also we're also influencing our, our communicative ability, right? Yeah, for uh, sure. Rather intentionally, and we sort of playfully use our voices and becoming aware of them. But even more so, you can practice it when you're making your own video, when you're making a representation just for you and realize that it's just a part of you, basically, you could say communicating with yourself, but um, but just of experiencing in your world. And then, and then if you think about it, then, then you become a person who is communicative throughout the whole day, learning to be someone who is, whether you're with someone or not, right? Mm. You're... When you're experiencing throughout the whole day, your body is showing that you're experiencing, having experiences and it's distinguishing different experiences and the body is giving you feedback about your own experiences. How else do you know? You know, you can't stop and think about it, but your body starts to provide you with that feedback. Yes. Your own gesture, your, you know, and your own face and your own, and you become more aware. You become more embodied in that way. And we know that people with autism don't do that. They don't become embodied in way um they you know they go and, and so think about how you would then stop and recognize that something's important to you how do you do it? well your body recognizes it first it's not that you stop and think you can't i mean something has to trigger right no. you just stop and say well i want to remember that or that's important well it's your body doing it first and you have your awareness of your body and um you know it could be like that or it could be your heart rate, or it could be your breathing, or it could be your face, or it could be something. And then you amplify it with your body first before you even do it with your words. So you might have your gesture or like that, or like before you even are thinking about it, right? 
Um, and that also triggers the salience network in the brain, which it's interesting that the network in our brain that is most involved with determining what is significant, what should stand out, whether it's our things, I mean, our mind, whether it's something in the world, it's called the salience network. Salience meaning significance. And the salience network is also the center for interpreting interoceptive or body communication. Isn't that interesting? It is the main area for that. Um, it also is a main area for sort of processing emotion in terms of meaning, in terms of significance, not just, you know, not like the amygdala, which is like, ah, you know, mm-hmm. not, uh, not meaningful. But when you think about feeling, feeling is not that. That's just reaction. Mm-hmm. Feeling is when you're making sense, when, it, when you're appraising something, when it, when it has some significance. So feeling and body awareness are very integrated, right? And significance. Um, the other thing the salience network does is interesting is it's the switching area between focusing on a task in the world and focusing more on your experience in the world or experiencing within yourself. It, it, it's sort of like the switching junction for that too. So the idea that you might see something significant and then stop for a second and think about it and feel it and wonder about it, right? That's occurring in the salience. The wondering itself occurs in the default network. But the switching from, you know, doing something in the world to stopping is, and, and, and pondering it or smelling the roses, if you will, or thinking of something as pretty, or something, that's occurring, that switch is occurring on the salience network. And that's very wrapped up in, in the way our body is providing information to us in the world through our, when I say our body, through our voice, it's, it's what we call the analog information, right? It's not digital. It's through our voice, through our, our right. eyes, through, you know, our, our face, really not our eyes, our face, our, you know, our posture, our tension we might feel in our body when we're relaxing, and very much in our gesture, too. Gesture is very powerful, we find. Right? Gesture uh, is an abbreviation of what young children do with their whole bodies. As we get older, we start to do more with just our gesture. That's so interesting. Okay. I was thinking about how... I may be meeting with somebody on the phone if we can't meet online and how I, I'll tell that I'll laugh. I'll say, I hear gesturing wildly, <laughs> but it's that you do. Yeah. You really, you really connected to why I'm doing that. You know, it's even though they're not there, I'm still. And that's why the video becomes so important too. You can't see gesture. You, in fact, that you can probably impl- infer facial expressions through voice tone and such more, but although you get more confusion, but you can't do anything with gesture. And gesture is funny because gesture, as I say, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily communicating, but it's very communicative. Mm-hmm. And, right, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's very powerful in a way that's communicative. And if it becomes a part of your embodiment, part of how you go through the day and you're gesturing for you, right, then it has a powerful interpersonal impact, right? I can't even imagine how you learn to do it as part of what you're thinking in a conversation. I mean, it's just too much. It, it, it's, it's overwhelming. So you learn to gesture, you learn to use your body throughout the day. It's just part of how you experience the world, how you give yourself feedback, how you right, make sense of your world. Yeah. And it comes across in communication. It's communicative, right? It's the same thing with your face, the same thing, right? With your, your face, you don't practice. So, so the idea of doing it in conversation is interesting, 
But to me, I think that's a starting point and that you want to move from there to learning to do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Much more. Yeah. Right? And we might do it together first just because it's new, right? But the, but the, but the application isn't to necessarily learn to do it in conversation. That's what's so interesting is to learn to do it with yourself, which then will occur in conversation. If it becomes automatic and you're doing it all the time, of course it'll occur in conversation too, and you won't have to think about it. And the other person won't feel manipulated by you. It'll just be there. It'll be an openness. Mm -hmm. See, when you're gesturing to, when you're facing, it's like, and you're with another person, it's like you're opening the door to your internal world to them. Right? Because it, 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 with our language, we learn to be deceptive. Right. We learn to, right? To have intentions. Yeah. Now, certain people learn to do that with their body, you know, CIA agents and such. But for most of us, it's more the window to our soul. It, it, so when you're with somebody who is that, doing that, you feel more of a, a shared sense of being with them. They're more endearing. They're more engaging. You want to be with them. Not because they Versus if somebody's like this. Or nothing like, at all. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing with voice and the same thing with face. But again, all of those, think about all those as feedback systems for yourself. And that's something new for me, rather than intentional ways we practice communicating to others. I think it's impossible to, to do it in a natural way if you do it that way. Hmm. I think people in autism are doing it all wrong. Oh, yeah. All wrong. Absolutely. That's a very highly sophisticated, you know, thing that you need if you're in certain, you know, like espionage and certain things. But, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make you an endearing person. It doesn't, it doesn't, it, you know, it makes you worse. It makes you more detached. It, it doesn't give you the feedback. And think about that. You're doing it with another person. You're getting the feedback of feeling connected with them because they're doing it. You're doing it, right? It's not so much you're doing the same thing, but by sharing in that way, you're also feeling, you're feeling. It's amplifying your own feelings. Mm-hmm. You with somebody having feelings, then you have the feelings towards them, right? Yes. Feeling something, right? You're not just worrying, what should I say? What should I say? You know, what should I do? What's the right thing? Did I do? You know, you're feeling it. And they're feeling it. So that's the, that was my lesson today was being communi- communicative, communicative versus communicating. Well, and it makes me think about that parallel process and how much parent guides may not be com- ever communicating that way. That's right. That's right. You know, because like when I do this with you, it's like you said, right? It's the it, right? Right. But I have to say, I'm thinking that parent guides aren't, and we know are not, are not doing that with their children. Well, they're not mindful of it. And again, there's such an emphasis on language and directiveness. This is not, you know, you don't usually use, I mean, yes, you can use gesture to write, but we're not talking about that gesture. We're talking about the gesture of our communicativeness is not directive. And, you know, it, it's a way that we, as I said, we, we, we feel, we experience, it's about developing the experience system, not a performance system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and no, they're not aware of their own. And I think we want parents to be mindful of that. We want our consultants to be mindful of it. Right. And we want our children to learn to make that their bodies to give themselves that embodied feedback as they go through the day. And then if they're not getting that, then how do they know what's meaningful? How do they know what's significant? How do they know what to remember? How do they know 
what they're feeling. Yeah. Right? This helps you feel. If, if you're this, you're not, you know, you're feeling tense, you know, um, or if you're stimming, you know, if you're stimming, you're not feeling it. That's not giving you any feedback. That's just cutting out feedback. In fact, right. repetitive types of things keep you from having any feedback about what's going on in the world, right? They shut it out when you're feeling overwhelmed, but this is amplifying it. This is making it easier for your, if you're thinking about your salience network, to make sense of what's going on moment to moment in your life when, when you're embodied, when you're using your body in this way. Um, so, you know, that, that was, I thought very interesting and, and gesture. We, we got focus on gesture because as I said, it, it, as we get older, rather than communicating so much, if you think about conversations with people, um, it, it, it's, it becomes an abbreviation of all the movement that young children do and, and all the full body stuff they do. It becomes a representation or embodiment, uh, an abbreviation of all that other stuff, right? We can do it with our hands. And we still do it with other parts of our body, but we can, but even though we start maybe controlling that a little bit more, we still can use gesture. And it's interesting to see some people who, uh, you know, who are just not using it at all, who are just sort of stuck. And that's gesture too. I mean, think about that. That's gesture. That's uh, hiding. Mm-hmm. But it's also hiding from yourself, see, and, and that's the key. It's not just hiding from others. Interesting, yes. You know, and that's what some psycho, psychologists would have said, you know, you're, you're defensive. But it's not just, it's, it's, it's that you're not giving yourself information. Huh. Right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're defensive. You cut off your own feedback system. Mm-hmm. Of course. If, if you're gesturing, right, you're, you're, or, you know, you're active with your body. You're giving, it's, it's for you. It's, it's for you because you're doing it. And that's why it's so interesting to do it when no, if you're doing it when no one's around. Right. And some yeah. people do. Some people more do that. Some people, you know, sort of like talking to yourself when no one's around or, or, exactly. or singing when no one's around or whatever. Um, but, but there's something very special we find about moving your body when no one's around. Um, that is different, uh, and it seems to be more powerful in the human, for the human brain. Isn't that interesting? It is fascinating, and it reminds me of what I've always said of how you provide the missing pieces, and this is another missing piece when you see a, when your unconscious sees a person not doing these things, the effect it has without you really knowing what it is sometimes. Um, yeah. you don't necessarily realize what it is. If you think about there's several issues embodiment. I mean, certainly initially we work on synchrony and there's moving together and that's very important. We move together, right? And that's different. That's, that's, that is establishing a physiologic sense of synchrony and attunement. We call it whatever you want to call it, but it's a very universal intrinsic motivation to move together and building on that. Is very important as we're establishing the foundations for a guiding relationship, right? And then, and then of course, there's when we do co-regulation with movement, which is a, you know a little bit later, and we're learning to do sort of the basics of improvisation, where we can add variations within frameworks through our actions and our movements, right? Through that, that's not necessarily communicative, but it really is providing us with. You know, we talk about keeping that away from tasks, right? Mm-hmm. It builds the creative, imaginative, and also the more natural 
um, um, social types of co-regulatory encounters that we have where we co-vary around a framework together, and that's why we get together. So there's that type of movement. And then you get to movement like we talk about gesture and children start to point. And that's very important too, you know, and that they use, um, they do that before they're speaking, right? We know how important it is that they learn to use their bodies to, to want to, uh, lead us to co-experience something with them, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and that keeps developing that communicating gesture, you know, keep away, you silly person, no, 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 you know, whatever. Right, absolutely. Um, and then there's this other track of gesturing for oneself, you using your body for oneself that doesn't get talked about much at all, right? Never an autism, never. But um, which has to do with providing yourself an ongoing sense of, of feedback. Interestingly enough, why do we think that 60 to 7% of people with autism have alexithymia. Alexithymia being unable to be aware of your own feelings. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Why is that? Well, mm. Think about it. If you're not giving yourself that information, that ongoing feedback through your body, of what you're experiencing, right? You're not going to be aware of your own feelings, right? So, um, you know, the goal here is not to become self-conscious about your body. That's not at all what we're talking about. But it's learning to, have, you know, to free your body, right, to, you know, to give you feedback on an ongoing basis, to be able to, and there's an improvisational quality to it, I realize, too, with you talking about gesturing for yourself, because when you gesture for yourself, it's not random. That's It's not stimming. It's not random like that. So it's like, Oh, that's interesting. Everybody's a little bit different. We're not all the same, but there is sort of a framework. There is a, a structure and, you know, like a little bit of a, of a repertoire mm. of what re- different representations. So, um, you know, if I am communicating with you, even though I'm not talking to you, I'm not trying to do this intentionally. And I'll say, you know, we can do this. We can do this. Or we, or that was, that was hard. Or I think I can, you know, or I don't know if I can do, you know, Whatever, we're a bit different. Everybody doesn't have to use the same vocabulary, same symbols, but there is a, a framework that we can, you can learn and then improvise around it, right? For yourself. So we can teach that. We can say, okay, here's some ways that you can use your gesture in the day, and, you know? And, um, like I'm thinking about something, I can't remember. See, what is that? What is that? Right? Um, yes. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, uh, I, you know, whatever, right? You see what I, mean? <laughs> oh, I got it, you know. But and do it for as as a as a as a as a, as a piece of information for you. Um and supporting that development in the child rather than everything being outward towards the other person. Now again, it, it, you know, that's a that's a transition we make in in the program. Because initially we are, you know, we are developing um, the relationship. But once we have that started, and that's the key, is knowing that, okay, we've got that firm intrinsic motivation of growth seeking and tied into the guide, right? Then the guide's job becomes then developing the self, developing the person, developing your own, ex- developing that child's experience in the world, right? And that's when you can start to see that. Right, when I call it mind guides, we call it mind guide, right? Mm-hmm. That's when you start to see that, um, we should start to see that change. 
So rather than communication training at that point, it's self-communicative training. Right? Well, I love that. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a transition, right? Mm. And, um, I, I mean, I think that's the key. It's not that you, you, you neglect communication, but you, it's, what's amazing is when you do that, how much more, how much it improves your communication, right? And that's what we've seen in the kids where we have more communication training, but they, maybe we haven't intentionally done that, but we have, uh, they have become self-communicated in that way. They're the ones who are the most attractive to others, the most desired by others, mm-hmm. right? Even right. though they haven't practiced all this, you know, communication training, we haven't given them any, but they're the most. Because they're genuine and authentic and sharing who they are with you, and you know. Which is what it's all about. And thanks for joining us for ASD, A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee. See you next time.